0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Yeah. Good time. Good time. Um, that's great. I'm happy you had a good time. Um, how was dinner tonight? Pretty good? Baked chicken, you know what I mean? How was breakfast? When you hear the term grace, what do you think of when you hear the term grace? Go ahead. We, we can, I can hear from you. No, no. Just tell me from there. <laughs> <laughs> when, I the grace, I when I hear the word grace, I think of God's mercy for us. Praise God. How about you? That you receive mercy when you don't deserve mercy. Praise God. How about you? Swans and ballerinas, because they're graceful. Yeah. Are you a hunter? (laughs) All right, one more when we hear about grace. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Grace is from a biblical standpoint, grace is God's unmerited favor toward you. Unmerited favor toward you. Unmerited means unearned, unearned, unconditional. God looks on you with favor. It's something that you can't win. You can't perform for it. You can't earn it. You can't achieve it. You're not going to take some kind of test. You can't study for it. It is unmerited favor that the creator of the universe looks on his kids and has given us an opportunity for us to be absolutely and unquestionably covered by his grace, his unmerited favor. That means acceptable. Acceptable. That means beloved. That means uh, adored. That means you have a value when it comes to God and the way that he sees you that is, that is more precious than the finest jewels. It is more precious than whatever it is, priceless. You can't even fathom the riches that you surpass when it comes to God seeing you in light of his son and what he's done for you, that you may stand approved in the presence of your creator. And he says, favored. Isn't that wild? Because if we look at the message from this morning, we would would assume that if I turn from God and I decided for myself that I'm gonna be my own God and there now is going to be a separation where I'm bound to my sin and my creator who has a purpose for me in the in the pleasant place within his presence if, if he has that place for me and I choose to to reject him and go on my own way then why would I assume or presume that he would still want me why would I presume that the God that I rejected, the one that I turned from so I could turn toward my own idols, my own gods that, have made, that I've made in my own image, why, why would I presume that he would want me knowing all of that? That's a question that I don't even want to begin to explore beyond, I'm his child, And when I see my own kids, I can't imagine what they could ever do to make me want to give up on them. And when I think of grace and unmerited favor, you know something that comes to mind? It's kind of something that came to me today that that I explained before years ago. But I I am so in love with my wife. She is the most beautiful woman I could ever dream of being married to. She has a fighting spirit. She is beautiful. She's got a laugh. She won me with her laugh, man. When my wife and I started hanging out, she, she could make me like belly laugh, like die laughing. She is hilarious. And then when she starts, when she gets on a roll, she's got that dental drill laugh. You know what I'm talking about? It's that like high pitch, like that like wheeze. She can't catch her breath. So she's cracking up, trying to get. And then she has this and I call it the dental drill. It's so cute. And she won't stop, like, there's that dental drill. And she's like, shut up, stop. I gotta catch my breath. My wife has always been, will always be beautiful to me. I'm just absolutely enamored um, by the gift that she is to me. And I love her very much. And this marriage, we're going on 12 years, and it's just like, yo, we just started. Like, we, we blinked. For all of you young people, just it's, it's only because of God that we have that. We've been through a lot. There are times, although my wife is just so, go- surpassingly gorgeous in my, in my eyes, there are times where she doesn't feel so beautiful. Like, first thing in the morning. Like first thing in the morning, <laughs> you know, we wake up, wake up, turn over, and she, you know, morning breath, pajamas, very comfortable, just, just very comfortable, hair all furled and frizzed out. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that, that morning stuff. You Girl, my daughter's the same way. She wakes up, her hair looks like a bird's nest. It is bird's nest hair. You know, might be might be like some like drool, you know, like the dried up drool stain on the cheek. You know what I'm saying? When you like fell asleep, it's like the drool came out. Into, and, and look, look, I'm not saying I'm any better. Like if, if that's her, I can't imagine what it is like looking at me in the morning. I just don't have the hair like the bird's nest. Right. But when I roll over, I see her there's only one thing that comes to my mind. Good morning, beautiful. Good morning, beautiful. You're my bride. I could not imagine being able to wake up next to a more beautiful person and I'm so blessed To be in this place with you. You are my bride, and I love you. And so when we wake up and that hair's all frizzed out, and she's just rolling and like kind of stretching and wiping the sleep from her eyes, and I go like this, I go, good morning, beautiful. And she goes, Stop it. Stop. I'm like, go, what's up, girl? What's up, girl? (laughs) She says, You're stupid. Stupid she got to like wash her face, comb her hair, brush her hair. They don't comb it, brush their hair. You know, hey, beautiful. Looking good, babe. <laughs> You're stupid. I just can't handle you right now. I can't deal with you. Beautiful. Don't, you, and even this, like, like, shut up. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. It's that. It's this. It's this kind of insecurity i'm not looking my best and so don't don't lie to me don't be trying to like kiss up to me Give me all these compliments about how beautiful I am, how much you love me. Look, I know what I'm looking like right now. And the translation is: if I'm looking at this and I'm not presenting my best, then you actually might not believe that I'm acceptable. I'm not really that beautiful. But but the beholder, the husband, the bridegroom looks on his wife and he says, Good morning, beautiful. You might look like a mess. You might even feel like a mess you might even be in that mess but here's the truth you're my bride and I'm with you and there ain't nothing there's no state that you could wake up in that would keep me from believing and walking in and having the posture of knowing you're my bride we belong together that's grace you're not acceptable I don't love you anymore just because you put on some makeup and comb your hair wash your face and put on some clothes, like nice clothes or whatever. I love you no matter what. You're my bride. You don't need to earn it. I'm committed to you. You may be a mess. You're my bride. That's the love that God has for us. I wish you could even touch it, but there's nothing that you can do to earn it. You can't clean your face up before he considers you as beautiful. You don't wash your face before he says you're mine. You don't need to comb your hair if you got it before he says acceptable. You're his bride. He loves you. He wants to be one with you in a relationship with you. He is committed to you no matter what you do, no matter what choice you've been, no matter what dark place you've given yourself to. God says, that's my bride. And so much so that he gave his son to lay his life down for his bride. You know what for? So that you can be acceptable even when you don't wash your face. You can be acceptable and received and loved even when you don't take a shower. Even if you don't have your makeup on. Even if your mask is off, you are his and he loves you. That's grace. That's grace. And so if you you ask me, that sounds like freedom, doesn't it? You mean I don't have to put myself all together, get all buttoned up, have my hair brushed, wash my face, take a shower, throw on that deodorant before he says, You're mine. I love you. That's the love. That's the grace. That's the unmerited favor. You can't earn it. Guess what that is? That's freedom, y'all. Acceptable. Newsflash I'm a mess. (laughs) <laughs> headline, so are you. I'm a mess. So are you. I'm sinful. I get it wrong. There's times where I lose my temper. There's times when I get impatient. I get loud. I don't, I don't always act so Christ-like. Ask my kids if, if when we are five minutes late getting out the door for me to b- drop them off at school and they are still dragging behind like a herd of turtles, ask me if I feel Christ-like in that moment. <laughs> I'm a mess. So are you. And I get it wrong and so do you. And I've lied before and i've and i've thought in my heart and in my mind like i've i've looked on people who were created in the Im- in the image of god with disdain and judgment and condemnation i've fallen into the trap of gossip and spreading rumors i've i've pointed fingers and counted myself as better than someone else i've coveted i've been jealous i've fallen short i have fallen short of the righteousness of god I've fallen short every day somehow, whether it's in my subconscious, whether it's of omission, which means like not doing the right thing when I know I should, or commission when I do the wrong thing, when I know that I shouldn't, or if it's something that it's just, I don't even know that I'm wrong. I've fallen short. There's only one God and I'm not him. And there are plenty of times in my life where I'm making decisions on my own behalf with no consideration of God and glorifying him. And in that, I've become my own God, leading my own life for my own glory. Because of my own pride and my own selfishness. That's a mess. And I've been enslaved to that. I haven't always been a Jesus follower. In my early 20s, I came to Jesus And before I knew Jesus, I was a slave to just being sick and devoid of hope. I was hopeless. I was completely entrenched in darkness. And I was using things that I had access to that I thought were the right things to just numb the pain of not having purpose or feeling like I had a value or place And I was dealing with some deep, deep places of hurt. And I would be in what would be described as a rock bottom. And that just at right time, Jesus came into my life and brought healing and restoration and showed me my purpose. And most of all, showed me that I was his and I was loved. And he died for me and he set me free and since then i've been walking in this purpose and in this journey of restoration where i've been a proponent of christ's love and his hope and his healing not just for young people but for all kinds of people in all kinds of spaces and he's using my story for his glory and he's using my mess as a message and he's using the test in my life as a testimony That as people hear me and they experience me and experience the image of God, the spirit of the living God working through me, that they would come into the truth that you're a mess. And despite the mess, God's building a message for his glory. Why? Because of what he has done, not because of what you can do. It's freedom. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. And so no longer do we have to be slaves to this yoke of sin and death. He closed the gap. How? Well, God, in John 3.16, a very familiar passage for many of us, so basic but yet so deep, no, so many of us can just rattle off John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him will not perish but inherit eternal life. We can rattle that off. But if we look at the depths of God's love and what the implications of that word is, that God so loved. This isn't a love like we talk about love. This isn't a selfish love. This isn't an emotion. This isn't a conceited love. This is a love that is expressed on behalf of a people that don't know how to love themselves. And so God so loved. That word so is so amazing to me. How amazing? So. So means immeasurable. It can't be counted. When you go to the zip line, first of all, how far was that walk? So far. So far. How far? So. So far. That roller coaster, the Griffin, six or where's Bush Gardens? The Griffin. You got to be a psychopath to go on the Griffin. How high is that? So fun. It's so fun. How fun? So you can't measure it. How tall? So tall. So tall. It, you can't measure it. It emphasizes the verb. The word so. It can't be measured. How deep is the ocean? So deep. How high is the sky? So high. How much fun is paintball? So fun. How dangerous is bubble ball? So dangerous. <laughs> but God's so loved. You can't even conceptualize or measure the the breadth and width and height and depth of his love. It can't be measured more vast than any ocean, deeper than any ocean floor that has yet to be measured, so distant and infinitely expanding that it exceeds the farthest galaxy in our solar system. It cannot be measured. His love is so big. It's so big. So we have a being, God. We have a posture of love. And we have an action that he gave. And on the receiving edge, end of that action giving because love is not love unless it's acting on the behalf of the object what's the object the world but if we look at that word the world it means humanity for god so loved you and me that he gave his one and only son that's the gift that whosoever would believe in him That means receive the gift of his son. He so loved you that he gave to you. He was willing to act on your behalf by giving his son. And all you have to do is receive that through your belief. And what's the reward? Merely through believing that he so loved that he gave to you his son. What do you get for believing everlasting life with him forever? We no longer have to live in this life separated from him. There's nothing that we could do to get back to him. So he gave. He acted on your behalf by sending his son. Well, how did that work? God put skin on, came into this world. His name was Jesus, and he dwelt among men. He had a ministry here on earth. He lived and walked this earth sinless and spotless, never lied, never did anything wrong, never did anything out of order that wasn't in line with his father's heart. He was sinless and spotless, yet he was tempted in every way, yet did not sin. Crazy. Lived a perfect life. And at just the right time, He laid his life down on the cross, living a perfect life, a life that you and I could not live and then taking the entirety of the world's sins on himself, on that cross and at the same time asking his father to forgive so that this thing could be put back together again. Jesus built the bridge by dying on the cross for you and me, making this thing possible. He paid your debt. Anything you think you could do, could ever do, to get back to God, he already paid it. And so he says from the cross, as he gives his life up, he says, it is finished. You can stop trying now, just believe. And three days later, after giving up his life and paying the price that you and I were supposed to pay to bring us back to him, he rose from the grave. He rose from the dead And he ascended back to heaven and he poured out his spirit on his church that not only do we have to look at the external, some kind of outside in presence of God. But now we get to experience the Lord by the power and presence of his Holy Spirit from the inside out. And we can live free lives, not only acceptable to him, but filled with him. That's freedom. And it doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've been through, where you currently are. God says, that's my free gift to you. You can't earn it. I wanna be with you forever. I bought you with a price and I want you mine and I wanna fill you. And and you know what the word says. If you want that gift, you have to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was raised from the dead And that he paid for your sins. And you follow him as Lord of your life. That means whatever idol you've been chasing, wherever you feel like you've been enslaved, it's like now you're turning from that God and you're saying, I'm following the true God. That's the decision I'm making. My life belongs to Jesus. And Jesus says, forgiven, come join the party. By the way, here's my Holy Spirit. Let's start walking together forever. It's called salvation. Rescued. And as you walk with Jesus, you know what's crazy as you're filled with the Holy Spirit? As you walk with him and you're in community and you give yourself to his word and prayer and going to church and being with these beautiful people that God's put around you for a purpose, you start to be encouraged in the spirit. And guess what? Your life starts to reflect the hope of Christ more and more and more as you grow more into his likeness. That's freedom. And guess what starts to happen? You start setting other captives free. That's called fruit. People start coming into contact with you and they start getting set free because they see what true freedom actually looks like. Yeah, I'm a mess, still working on it, but I'm with my Creator. I've been saved by Jesus. I'm walking with Him. He lives in me, and this is a life worth living. Freedom, no shame, no guilt. No regret. Even when I get it wrong, I don't have some angry father waiting to beat me over the head. He says, Come to me. Let's get this thing right. Let me work in that. Shame off of you. Know who you belong to. Your mind, don't worry. You can't lose it. You just stick with me. We'll work through it. That's freedom. That's freedom. little boy who reminds me of my son I could tell this story with my son in mind my son's 10 years old he went outside his father had a workshop connected to the house he went outside and he gathered some raw materials and he had this image he wanted to build this like model boat that you could actually like float in a stream. He had this stream behind his house and he, he, he had this vision that he would build this from raw materials using these tools. You know, he had this like creative mind and he goes back there with the, these materials and he starts building this boat. It's this little thing, you know, probably about yay big. He wants to put a sail on it. He starts putting that together. He's whittling, he's smoothing things out. gluing stuff together screwing it together he's got the paint that he's he's so proud of this thing and it looks good i mean this kid was talented it was nice and he goes out he's like man this is my boat like let's let's go put this thing in the water like i'm excited about this thing goes out back he goes in the stream and puts it in the water and then he's he's watching it and he's kind of walking beside it and current is like picking up and that boat is still going man that's like his love though you know he's like I built that like this means something to me that's that's mine it it belongs to me like I want to enjoy this but but not like this that thing starts picking up speed man next thing you know it's like gone and and this boy is like running after this boat can't keep up can't get to it and it just keeps going and and after a while that boat is just too far gone he's too far from home he's got to it's too far it's gone too far and there was a, a couple weeks later he's like walking down main street in his town and there's this little hobby shop that he goes by and in the window he sees his boat <laughs> he sees his boat it's all painted up like it was it's looking good in the window he it's like knocking on the window. It's like that's my boat. That's my boat. I got to go get my boat. Walks in to the store talking to the owner of the store. Hey, hey, hey sir. That's my boat. That's my boat. You you have my boat. And the And the store owner goes, "Hey, sorry son. In order for you to get that boat, you're going to have to pay for that boat. That's a nice boat. I need some money for that boat." So the kid goes home and he starts like mowing lawns and he's got some money in his bank account, like in his piggy bank, and he's earning the money to pay for the boat. So earns the money. Finally, he takes that piggy bank. He like breaks it on the ground. He picks up all the money. He goes back to the store. He goes, sir, sir, I have the money, I have the money so that I can have my boat back. And the owner of the shop goes, all right, cool. You got just enough. Go ahead. Take the boat. That kid snatches that boat out of the window. He runs out the shop and he's walking up the street. And while he's walking up the street, he's like talking to his boat. And he says this, he says, now you're twice mine. For anybody who receives the gift of Jesus, he bought you with a price. And before all that, he created you and he put you together in his image. And he used every bit of his being to craft something beautiful. And that beautiful thing is you. And at some point in time, you went too far and you turned your back and you were lost with the current, but God didn't give up on you. And he saw you and his eye was on you. And he paid the ultimate price by laying his life down for you. And your creator gets to hold you and gets to say to you, and I hope his voice is ringing as clear as my voice is now in your ear when you're hearing the spirit of the living God say to you, you're twice mine. You're twice mine. You're never getting away from me. Ever again. You're never getting away from me. You're twice mine. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.